Yo, and welcome back. Welcome back. That's right. We are back. Season we are back. number we are three back. of pre-gaming the SEC. Well, you know, like the great lyricist of our generation, Waka Flocka Flame once said, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Yeah, I saw you <laughs> trying to guess there, Christopher Paul Doring. And by the way, you'll hear me full name Chris Doring all the time. That's when he's in trouble. That's when he's really got to have a talking to. But Am you're I not in trouble, in trouble. Right now? Yeah, well, you know, maybe. Florida might be in trouble. We're recording this whoa, right whoa. now. Florida's got a game coming up in about 24 hours from now, traveling to the altitude, Salt Lake City, to take on the Utes. I mean, maybe. You might be in trouble right now. Yeah, here's what you're looking at it as a, uh, a tough spot. I'm looking at it as an opportunity, and an opportunity <laughs> to make a statement. It's probably got to be the biggest headline game of the weekend, right? And I, I've complained about week one not living up to kind of the the billing of the past, but uh, Florida kicking the season off on a Thursday night out against a Pac-12 opponent. Uh, I was, I, Pac-12 I was, champion, back-to-back uh, yeah, Pac-12 champs. Back-to-back. I was going to say, I can't remember the last time Florida played a, a Pac-12 team, but I guess they did Oregon State in the Vegas Bowl. But the last time they tra- tra- traveled to or played a Pac-12 team in the regular season has been a minute. All right, you're making this too easy for me. Did they really play in the Las Vegas Bowl? They were there, <laughs> but did they play? Bro, they we didn't get shut out. All right, that that streak of not getting shut out continued with the uh, last second field goal that we were able to kick. Oh man, is that where we're at right now? Is that where we're at as a program? We're trying not to get shut out by the beefs. Well, I think that's you know that's that's something that we we should talk about as it relates to the Florida's game against Utah. What our expectation level is for the season, and really where they are. A year number two under Billy Napier, a guy that you and I both really like an awful lot. Yeah. Uh, my th- thoughts have kind of changed as to what I think is possible for this season, but I have not changed what my thought is about the direction of the program. And that's a very high upward trajectory. And I think we got to be honest about where the program was when he took over and what's going on in terms of recruiting, having a lot of success in the transfer portal the last couple of years. In fact, you look at some of the best players from the team last season, they were guys that he brought over in the transfer portal from Louisiana, Osiris Torrance. Yeah. Uh, Johnson, Montreal Johnson, the, the running back, both of those guys ended up being outstanding players for Florida. And those were guys that he evaluated and were able to get to come to Louisiana when he was head coach there and then brought them over and realized that they were better than most of the guys that were on the existing roster he inherited. Yeah, we are certainly going to get to that game. If you're new to pre-gaming the SEC, we like to break it down. You heard some of that there from Chris Doring. We do talk X's and O's. We do go depth charts and position by position and scheme and matchups and all of that. But we also like to have a lot of fun. And we like to maybe crack, uh, you know, crack open a cold adult beverage from time to time. We will certainly get there. The Big Terps already got his, his go in there. So we are here. We are going to break down most of the SEC games every single week. We certainly are going to hit the marquee games. We'll hit Florida, Utah. We'll hit LSU, Florida State. Certainly the game in Charlotte, UNC, South Carolina. So we will always hit those major games. We'll give you some of our, you know, best bets that we like moving forward. A little take it to the bank there at the end of every show. And so we've got a lot going on. It's organized chaos, but that's the way we like it here in pregaming the SEC. No, it's been organized chaos here in Florida as we sit uh, recording this podcast. Had to avoid a hurricane overnight, and uh, luckily for for the folks here in Gainesville, we were able to do so. Uh, Florida Gators got out early in advance of the hurricane. They left Tuesday on their way to Utah with a stop through Dallas, but uh, definitely a little chaotic. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys and even more excited that we're on the eve of college football right now. 
All right, before we get to the big game previews, some of the matchups that we're looking forward to the most, and we have some big ones. We laid out some of those already. We also do a segment here called Last Call. And you, look, you can tell we've got some uh, some things we like to talk about here. I already talked about, you know, Hold My Beers, a segment that we do here, Last Call. We've got some themes here. Maybe we like to have a cold drink in our hand when we're doing this podcast. And so Last Call, if you are, again, new to the podcast, it is kind of one of those last burning questions that we get to before we actually have games on the weekend. So, CD, with that being known, you're also returning for year number three of the podcast. What is the most burning question that you're looking forward to getting an answer on finally? Because it's been eight yeah. long months. We've been yeah. sitting here. We've been talking about all the things in the offseason. What's that final burning question you want to get answered? I think it's pretty easy, and I think it's probably the, the biggest question on your mind. I think it's on the biggest question of most college football fans' minds when it's outside of your own team, and that's what the quarterback situation in Alabama is going to look like. Yeah. I mean, Alabama is a team that a lot of people feel like can compete for a national championship. We still, as we sit here right now, don't know who the quarterback is going to be that takes the first snap against Middle Tennessee on Saturday. And even if we do know, but we don't know who the really the more important question is, is who's going to take the first snap against Texas. I think we'll find yeah. out more as the game goes on. Uh, but it, it's the most important position in all of sports. There's a lot of expectation on Alabama this year. I think this is a very important season where a lot of pressure sits on Alabama. Uh, they've already been passed in the SEC by Georgia. They are the, the gold standard, not only in the conference, but nationally. And with LSU having gone to the SEC title game last year, if they were to do that again for the second year in a row, would that signal the official decline of the program? Uh, obviously, you got to credit LSU for elevating their their level of play. But uh, for I, I think it's, what, 2010? was the last time that, that Alabama didn't, uh, what, 2010, 2011, last time Alabama didn't go to to SEC title games in back-to-back -back seasons? I believe that's the statistic. There's a lot of things that could come up for the first time in a long time. I mean, going this long without a national championship, which at any other program, you're like, yeah, you know how hard it is to win a national championship, but they had been a team that's like, hey, Every three years, you can book us. We're going to win a national championship, and so some of those things are coming up. We were talking earlier today on off campus. It's like, yeah, what's who's the last coach to beat Alabama in back-to-back -back years? I think it was Hugh Freeze when he was at Ole Miss. Like that doesn't happen. And so, like if Brian Kelly gets that done at LSU, that is going to be a big signal for Alabama and their program. And they're not falling off a cliff, CD. They had just built a standard yeah. that you didn't think anybody could really keep up, certainly for as long as they did. And so you start to see them fall a little bit, and that's what we're talking about, just their standard of winning a national championship at least every three years. How many times did we see other programs trying to grab that that disciple of the, the Saban tree? All of them. Trying to like. duplicate what was going on in Tuscaloosa by taking the blueprint and, and, and going elsewhere. Yeah it was never able to be as consistently duplicated. Now you've seen it be done in Athens for the first time with Kirby smart going and winning two national championships. And I think obviously it's created more competition for Alabama, but it's also siphoned off a lot of the talent from the recruiting and evaluating standpoint. It, shoot. It's even grabbed one of their, their important um, coaches. You know, Scott Cochran was a big part of what the Alabama yeah. had built over that decade plus and, and, you know, him deciding to get, uh, on the field as a, a on-field position coach and, and you know, moving to, to Georgia is just symbolic of kind of what's happened. Um, so it, it's an important year. And I, I think as we look back, 
you know, another part of that story is certainly what LSU has done. And a year ago at this time, maybe the most burning question on our minds was, what is Brian Kelly going to be able to do in the SEC? How quickly is he going to be able to turn this program around? Um, it, it didn't look good after week one. That was a sloppy <laughs> loss to FSU last year. But yes, it was impressively. They got better and better as the season went on and, and were able to find a way to get to the SEC title yeah. game with a, a stunning uh, upset victory over Alabama in the regular season. And, and um, you know, I think there's still work to be done. They lost their last regular season game against A&M. They lost the SEC championship game decisively to Georgia. But I do feel like that's another team that's on the upward uh, trend. And and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, be able to dethrone Alabama in the SEC West. Yeah, I am so intrigued with Alabama. If we get to last call, we get to a burning question. I could go Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino. Maybe we get there. But it is Alabama for me as well. Because when you look at the experience chart, they are 127th in the country as far as the experience that they bring back. And some of those players that they don't bring back are the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, at quarterback, the number three overall pick at edge rusher, Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two most important positions on the football field. Now, Dallas Turner is a really good player. He's not Will Anderson. And not to mention, what's Dallas Turner going to be able to do without the attention being given to Will Anderson? I think he was a beneficiary of a lot of protections. Sliding towards what Will Anderson was was on the field, and and Dallas Turner – has a lot to prove himself, as does whoever wins that quarterback yep. position. You mentioned whoever it, wins it, though, whoever yep. wins it, you're not going to be as good as Bryce Young. Not in year no. one. You might be down the road. I think Bryce Young's the best quarterback to ever play at Alabama. And I know it's a big statement. I know you've got Jalen Hurts. I know you've got Tua Tungavailoa. We can go all the way Mac back Jones. to Broadway Joe. Yep. Uh, we can go. We can, Mac Jones, another first rounder. We could go back. Hey, shout out to my guy, AJ McCarron. Shout out to, to Greg McElroy, all the yep. guys, Brody Croyle. There's been some great quarterbacks. John I think Bryce Parker Young's Wilson. the best. John Parker Wilson's another one. But I think Tyler Watts, let's keep going. Yeah. But I think that Bryce Young is the best to ever play at the school. And that's saying something. He's no longer there. And we said this earlier today. If they didn't have that logo and they didn't have that coach, now that coach has proved a lot of people wrong throughout his career, would they be close to the preseason hype that they're getting? Right. You watch college game day, SEC champ. Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. They're a top five team in both polls. A lot of people, people that I respect in this business, have them in the college football playoff. Most have them in the national championship. And I want to know why. How are you getting there? Right? Get the red yarn out. Get the thumbtacks out. Show me the path. Show me the ways that you're getting Alabama to a college football playoff. Because when you lose players like that, and you're trying to replace them with young players, there's going to be growing pains, even for yeah. a place like Alabama, even for the GOAT Nick Saban. As much I as I have a hard time getting there. I, I hate to say it, but you and I, I think, have agreed that the quarterback position is the most important position in all of sports. Uh, they get too much credit when things go well, too much blame when it yeah. doesn't go well. Uh, but if you look at the dynamics between the programs in Athens and Tuscaloosa, there are a lot of similarities. Both lose offensive coordinators. Both lose big-time starting quarterbacks. And yet, I do not hold it against Georgia the same way that I hold it against Alabama. The reason being, I think the quarterback position in Athens is surrounded by a lot more talent. And that's tough to say, but it's yeah. true. The Alabama offensive line has not lived up to what we've expected from them the last couple of years. The Alabama receivers have certainly not lived up to the playmaking group that we've seen come through over the last decade. 
Georgia has those pieces. Georgia has the best offensive line in the SEC, maybe in the country. Georgia has the best assembled group of wide receivers that they have. No, by the way, that's a compliment to the tight end position that's extremely deep and rich with talent too. So um, I just don't believe in where Alabama is right now. And I think it's kind of a joke to your point that everybody's just picking Alabama to go to the national championship game and possibly win it all when we have as big a questions, taking it back. That's the lasting burning question that we have in the last call segment. And I think that is the thing that uh, everybody across the country is hoping to see. I got one quick one on Bama quarterback. So I'm thinking it's more likely that whoever it is, Simpson, Milrow, Buckner, whoever, that they are solid. And the awesome defense and the everybody around them is the reason that Bama is so good this year. So take away – you cannot say that they will be average quarterback play. Do you think it's more likely that they are better because of their quarterback play? or worse because of their quarterback play this year? I think it's got to be worse. Bryce yeah. Young won you games last year. If you didn't have Bryce Young back there last year, you might be 9-3. and three. I don't think 8-4, and four, but they stayed in the LSU game because of Bryce Young. The yeah. play he made to tie it up to send it to overtime, there's not many guys walking this planet that make that play. They won the Texas game because of Bryce Young. The yeah. offensive line couldn't protect him. Time and time again, he was able to make unblocked blitzers miss and, and yeah. converted a big, you know, uh, third down there to keep a, uh, the game winning drive alive late. Um, and not to mention the production on the field, but how about the leadership? You know, how many times do we see Bryce young after a third down drop by a receiver past the line to gain where he's chatting him up, patting him on the back, encouraging him. Like there's a lot of quarterbacks that would have been MF and that dude after he <laughs> dropped the ball on third down and the, the offense had to go to the sideline. So, yeah. I, I think he was a very unique player, a very special on-field talent, a great leader, and a guy that's going to be sorely missed at Alabama and this conference. Like I think you and I both agree, it was a pleasure getting to watch him and, and cover him the last two years as the starting quarterback at Alabama. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm for one, sad to see him go, but I'm looking forward to watching him in yeah. Charlotte where I get a chance to be on weekends. Last thought on our burning question here in Last Call. You mentioned it. New coordinator, new quarterback at UGA. New coordinator, new quarterback like we're talking about here at Alabama. If you have a returning coordinator and quarterback, which not a lot of teams have in the SEC, that makes, in my opinion, you go up another tier because you just don't have it this year. Mm-hmm. In Tennessee, Milton was there, but he's a new quarterback. That was Hendon Hooker's team. And so Looking at an LSU and Jaden Daniels coming back with Mike Denbrock, that makes me believe in them a little bit more because they have familiarity with each other. They know each other. They're not learning each other on the run like some of the other places across the conference. Uh, Big Turp, I think it'd be a, actually a great study, man, to, to tell me how many teams in the SEC have returning quarterback, offensive coordinator tandems. I think That's it's crazy. three. I think it's so, three. It might be two. I was trying to go through it, man. I wasn't coming up with many. You've got Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and LSU. I think that's it. And and, and is that assuming? Like, are we just kind of unwritten assuming it's Jackson Dart? That's just, that exactly right. If it's Jackson Dart, if it's not Spencer Sanders, I don't think it's going to be Howard. If Spencer Sanders starts, it goes down to two. It goes down to Vandy and LSU. That's what I'm saying. That's why it gives you another tier up is because mm-hmm. it's just rare in the SEC you, this year. It's, it's actually wild, the fact that we have this as it being the case. You can't count AM because Bobby, how much is it going to no, change? No, because Bobby Petrino's Petrino, running the offense. Yeah. So you got a new coordinator. It's no longer Jimbo's offense. Yeah. I, I do think. think that 
the last of the burning questions as we look back in the offseason, it was a fascinating summer or fascinating offseason in general for coordinator hires. I mean, you look across, there are some really talented coordinators that are in new places this year. Um, maybe, maybe my favorite move, you mentioned Ole Miss, getting Pete Golding to come over. And I know Alabama fans yeah. um, got to a point where they didn't really appreciate what Pete Golding was doing, but uh, it is a huge get for Lane Kiffin. And if you can even just solidify, slightly improve that, that L or the Ole Miss defense that's been you know, very inconsistent over the last couple of years, yeah. paired with that offense and, and what we expect from them to be able to do on that side of the ball, they could be a dark horse team yeah. in the SEC West this year. How much, how much faith do you have in uh, Danny Enos with KJ? So you lose Kendall Bryles to TCU. You lose Loggins that would have been the OC. I don't care what anybody tells me to South Carolina. If that move wasn't already made, Dow Loggins steps in as offensive coordinator at Arkansas. I need to see it. I need to see KJ stay healthy. I need to see good Dan Enos because we've seen peaks and valleys. We've seen good and bad. I'm not sold on that just yet. I've actually got them seventh in the West. And it's not because they're a bad football team. I believe that much in the West. I've got them seventh. That's what I put at SEC Media Days. We got to get yeah. it out there. Got to say it loud and proud because I put it out there. It is public. They are seventh I, right now in the West for me. I agree with you. And I hate saying it because I love Sam Pittman that I much. Too. I love what they've been able to create. And, and forget about just the, the offensive questions that you're talking about. What about defensively? The the leaders that you've lost at the linebacker position this year, the, the since last season, yeah. the fact that Jalen Catalan, you know, was out from the majority of the year and transferred uh, to Texas, and yeah. is supposedly having a great camp there, even adds more insult to injury. But that's that 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 pass defense was atrocious last season. So you're telling yeah. me that you lose your best pass rusher and. You know, a guy that you were hoping to get back in the secondary and your secondary is going to be better, your pass defense is going to be better. Yeah. I have a hard time believing it. So I'm with you. I have them seventh. I don't like the disrespect for Mississippi State. I was impressed with Zach Garnett at Media Days. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with the amount of returning talent uh, on that team led by Will Rogers, the most experienced quarterback in the conference. Before we move on completely, I am curious, just because this is the last time we're going to talk offseason, who was your favorite person to talk to at Media Days this year? I, this is an easy question for me. Go ahead. Anaya Smith, Texas yeah. A&M yeah, wide receiver. You know, this was a guy that got injured last year in September, and they desperately could have used him in the lineup, not only for his production, mm -hmm. but the leadership. And you could hear the sense of urgency in his voice. You you know this. I mean, I, I tore my Achilles tendon, uh, first real major injury when I was playing for the Denver Broncos. When I came back from that, that injury, there was a greater appreciation for what I got to yeah. do every single day, walking out on the practice field, getting a chance to compete. And I got the sense that that losing the, that the way he did last year made mm -hmm. him have this greater sense of urgency that he's create that he's yeah. communicated to the rest of his teammates. And I feel like as a whole, they all have this greater sense of urgency. They talked a lot about finishing. They want to finish this year. Well, they the they were overhyped, over um Ranked in the last couple of preseasons this year, I think it's quite the opposite. And I'm actually excited about Texas A&M season. There's a couple of candidates there. I, Will Rogers was great. I enjoyed catching up with him. And I don't know if you were in there yet. I know Cole Kublick and I had a chance to catch up with him. The LSU guys were great. If I'm taking Homer Simpson out of it, I'm not going to be a Homer. <laughs> I would say Mark Stoops. And y'all know I love Mark Stoops, but you could tell that last year, they had created a new standard in Lexington and it wasn't good enough. Seven wins yeah. was not good enough. And you could feel that in his voice. 
Now, when you were playing and when I was playing, certainly early in my career, they would have taken seven wins and been like, you know what? Okay, pretty good. Pretty good in Lexington. They were on the Jefferson Pilot game every week when we were coming up for a reason. Yeah. All right. They were that early kickoff that everybody's like, ah, yeah, Kentucky plays early. They have built a standard. They lost to your school 30 plus straight years. They've now beaten them three out of the last five. That yep. standard is completely different. And he felt like in his words, I felt it through him that we got to get better. We got to get back to nine wins, 10 wins, seven's not good enough. You, you know what I, I felt too in talking with him is that they realized they missed a great opportunity. That was yep. the way the season laid out last year, having Will Levis come back after the season he had the year before in 2021 having Chris Rodriguez back, having the defense that they had. Uh, they didn't know, I don't think, how good the receivers were going to be, but that yeah. exceeded anybody's expectation. And for them to only win seven games, I, I yeah. think that was a setup that should have had them winning 10. The offensive line, the one thing that we felt like we could count on when it came to, yeah. to uh, evaluating uh, Kentucky's program and where they were, let them down. And uh, I think there's a great sense of urgency in Lexington this year. I, 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 I commend coach stoops because over the last couple of years he's had to make some really difficult decisions and yeah. you know remember a couple of years ago he had to fire his good friend who helped build that program there eddie grand yeah. uh, replaced him with liam cohen it made a, an immediate impact knowing that they needed to to evolve into a team that could throw the ball more vertically they were able to do that in will levis's first year in lexington when he went away uh, they tried to find a guy that was a, a close duplicate it didn't work with rich gangarello and somehow they were able to convince Liam yeah. Cohen to come back to college football and come back to Lexington. I think it's a great statement about what he believes is possible there and how much he believes in Coach Stoops. And, oh, by the way, they did pretty well in the transfer portal, as yeah. they've done the last few years, with the crown jewel being uh, Devin Leary, a guy that I think you and I both believe in a lot. It's like I told you earlier, LSU lost Joe Brady. They tried to replace him with a Joe Brady clone, and it didn't work out because – that guy is that guy for a reason, yep. and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but Liam Cohen was him for a reason, and so you tried to clone him, didn't work. Now you got him back, which is very hard to do, and so I agree with you there, Kentucky. That offense is going to go way up. They were in the 121 range, I believe, in total offense a year ago. All right, we are going to move on to our big game previews, but before we do, I want to tell you about a new sponsor here on pre-gaming the SEC. And if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably an SEC fan, obviously. And it is a company that is taking the SEC footprint by storm. That is Blue Delta Jeans. Your pants, your pattern. Every pair is made for you and only you. I own a, um, a pair. Actually, I own multiple pairs of Blue Delta Jeans. And Chris Doring, at some point in this podcast, will tell you exactly how I'm built in the lower half. I promise <laughs> you that's coming. And when I say they are customized for me, I've never met a jean that fit my waist and my thighs at the same time. Blue Deltas do that and then some. I'm going to throw this to them, see if they want to use this. Nothing feels as good as custom fits. What about that? Boom. Love that, bro. They're going to okay. steal that. You got you to. That's fine. Uh, they're our partners. So uh, that's right. Happy to help them out. But, uh, you know, I've actually never been to the the blue delta fitting in oxford as much as i go to oxford i haven't had a chance to do it yet so uh that is yeah. now on the bucket list um we might find a way to do a little podcasting right there in front of the storefront blue delta jeans in oxford that is in the works so excited to have them on the team like i said i mean these are custom and they are going to fit you exactly 
how you want your pants to fit. You can find them online, bluedeltajeans.com. All right, let's go to our big game previews. All right, Tennessee, Virginia. Let's start there because we've got some and we'll continue to grow as we get there. For me, if I'm looking at Tennessee and UVA, UVA is a struggling program. It just is. They hit reset and that reset button is still stuck. They're trying to get it out. They're trying to get like a screwdriver, like a flathead and get it out of reset mode, but it has not happened yet. What an opener. What an opportunity for Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's got a lot that they've got to make up for. You lose dudes on the outside of receiver. You lose a Hendon Hooker who was as efficient as any quarterback in the country over the last couple of years. But you return both running backs. You actually return a couple of really good receivers, including Brew McCoy. And Joe Milton's been there for a while. We've seen good Joe. We've seen bad Joe at multiple places. The last time we saw him, it was good Joe. In that bowl game against a very quality opponent, a New Year's Six situation, he played really, really well. You won 11 games last year. I am here to say I think Tennessee can be a better football team with a worse record than last Mm -hmm. year. And I know that sounds wild. I know that doesn't make sense. But I still think their schedule, when you look at it, C.D., when you have to go, and we always talk about it, the three-game stretch, the stretch of death in the SEC – A&M at Alabama at Kentucky. I think that's a pretty brutal stretch. And so everything's going to point to the growth of Joe Milton, a veteran player, but you're waiting for him to be a full-time starter for the first time. I believe in Josh Heupel. So for this game, previewing it, you'll have no problems. It's like a four-touchdown spread, and you'll be fine. But a perfect opportunity for Tennessee to come out against a Power 5 ACC opponent, neutral site game in your home state in Nashville – and just create momentum and chemistry here in this first game. Yeah, you talked about uh, the possibility that Tennessee's a better overall football team than last year, and the record may not reflect it in terms of number of wins. Uh, Tennessee has not won 11 games in back-to-back seasons since 97 and 98. Obviously, the 98 year was the year they won the national championship behind T. Martin. So history would tell you it's going to be difficult to back that up. But Mm -hmm. if they are going to be a better overall team, I have a hard time believing it's going to be offensively. I mean, they they were what the number one scoring offense in the country yeah. last year. If it if they're going to be a better team, it's going to be defensively. And, and you could say what you want about how good they were in the red zone. You could say what you want about takeaways, both of which they were at the top or near the top in in the SEC. Yeah, but they give up a lot of yards. And, and maybe it's time we redefine what good defense is in this day and age of college football with tempo and and the amount of passing that goes on, but. Uh, I know that the, the goal at the end of the day is to keep them out of the end zone, but Tennessee has got to be better in the secondary. We said it hadn't ended yep. last year. They were not much better there. I know some of that is a, is manifested because of a lack of pass rush. They got to be able to get to the quarterback and, and, and be able to, to, to get the quarterback on the ground, something they didn't do consistently last year, but I'm, I'm with you, man. I love Tennessee. I love the direction of their program. I am a huge Josh Heupel fan. I just don't see them being able to back it up with another 11-win season. I think they take a step back, partly because you lose one of the best players in the history of your program and Hidden yeah. Hooker, and to think you're going to plug another guy in there and not miss a beat is naive, and partly because I think the SEC East is better as a whole this year. We saw Tennessee and, and South Carolina take advantage of, of the demise of Kentucky and Florida last year. I think both of those programs are going to be better. I think it's going to be an absolute dogfight in that division behind Georgia. I think you're going to see a lot of cannibalism amongst that division as well. 
I agree 100%, and we can move right along because I don't think they struggle against UVA. UVA is no. not ready for a game like this, and so they thrive in this contest. But it brings us to a bigger discussion, and the next team we'll talk about is South Carolina as they get ready for North Carolina in Charlotte. That is going to be a game that will mean so much to both programs. Like yeah. If you can win that, not, not just because you're bordering states, but I think of where you are as a program, and I think South Carolina is firmly in the tier of Tennessee, Carolina, and Kentucky. And mm -hmm. you and I have talked about this. Georgia, it is what it is. They're in their own tier. But there's a middle group there that the best team out of that group can make some real noise in the postseason and make a special run. And South Carolina, to me, 8-5 and five last year, not 11-2 like Tennessee. And I realized, man, there was, there was some times where they looked as good as anybody, and there was times it's like head-scratching. But if they can get consistent play from Spencer Rattler, even in this game against North Carolina, yeah. the way they played against Tennessee and Clemson, it was some of the best efficient offensive football that I have seen in a very long time. That was the Spencer Rattler that after one year as a starter at Oklahoma, we all thought would be a Sunday player and not just a Sunday player, but maybe the first one off the board. We saw flashes of that. You've got one of the best, most under-talked about receivers in all of college football on your squad, right? You had a great connection with him. I know you lost some guys. You lost a tight end that was special to Florida State, but you return a lot. And if we get that version of Spencer Rattler, even with Drake May across the sidelines, what an opportunity, by the way, for Spencer Rattler. If you want to quiet the noise, you go beat Drake May, the guy that everybody has, surefire top five overall pick kind of guy in the NFL draft. The only guy getting talked about more than him is Caleb Williams from USC, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. You want to make a statement? Go outplay that guy. So you might not be on the field at the same time, CD, but you have the opportunity as a senior veteran leader to go out there and truly take over this game and take over the narrative of your season. Yeah, you have a spotlight. I mean, it's the ABC primetime game. It's the biggest headline game on Saturday, in my opinion, nationally. And um, it's got a number of different, really unique dynamics to it, none, none less than the quarterback battle. Um, the question is, what do we believe South Carolina to be? What do we believe yeah. Spencer Rattler to be? That was the, the 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 most unique thing about last season was Spencer Rattler was garbage for the majority of the year. And in that yeah. eight-day span, he caught lightning. And it yeah. makes you think, like, why? what happened earlier in the season? Why couldn't we have figured this out before? If it was really just simplifying things, why didn't that 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 occur sooner? And you know yeah. what? That that run was on the heels of maybe they were their most embarrassing loss, going to the Swamp getting yeah. blown out by a very average Florida team in which they didn't score a single offensive point. So it, it's, it's, I praise, you know, coach Beamer for what he was able to do to rally the troops, but it leaves me wondering a little bit more about why and can they duplicate it? Yeah. Now I saw an amazing statistic. I think big Turf may have uh, seen this as well, uh, but I saw a tweet. Gene Chizik is earning his paycheck this week as North Carolina's defensive coordinator has zero film to go on for the South Carolina offense under Dow Loggins, who's never called a college play. Yeah. Will the Gamecocks look right. pro style? Is tempo Because he's, he's an NFL coordinator. He's been yeah. multiple offensive coordinators in multiple places. Right. And also has been at Arkansas, where they were utilizing yep. uh, the uh, Bryles system as well. So, like, it, it really is going to be challenging for Chiz to be able to figure out exactly what, you know, South Carolina wants to do. But in terms of rebranding themselves, nobody has a better opportunity than what Spencer Rattler does 
to ride the momentum of the end of last season and to come out and and finally shed some of the uh the 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 headlines about him being an underachiever and a bust like i'm cheering for the kid because uh right now he, he feels like he's maybe playing with the confidence he hadn't had in a long time yeah you got juice wells out there on the outside i would expect him Did to you be hear big him? by the way th- uh, there has been question about his health uh there has about- been I, i'm all i know i'm always going to hope and just like cam rising with utah and i know that's going against an sec school but like i want that guy to be out there i want the best players available out there because if you want to win this game he's got to be out there am i it, it's a, it's such a narrow margin for error in this game because I need to know who's going to – is it going to be Joyner? Is he going to go out there? Is he going to be your leading rusher? We know he can do a lot of different things. Like, what's he going to do? McDowell, can he step up? Because you lose your two leading rushers. They're playing now for USC and for Florida State. So, yeah. if you're out Juice Wells, I have a hard time getting you to victory here in this one. No doubt about it, man. It's going to be fun to watch one of those other questions. It's I don't know if there's a more – Difficult game to kind of handicap and pick a winner in this weekend involving yeah. SEC games in the uh, South Carolina-North Carolina battle. Have you guys seen anything about how they're going to use Nick Harbour? He's playing receiver, right? They've talked about him being uh, at the wide receiver spot on the depth chart, I thought. Because I'd love I'd love to see him being used in different ways. Because, I mean, that's that's the number one. Because, obviously, he he should have been a big Terp as well. But, you know, it happens. If, if he's not going to be a Terp, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Gamecock works out. But, I, would, I mean, all you've heard from day one is yeah. just game-breaking speed. So I would love to see them try and do what, like, Missouri did yeah. with Burden. Like, use him in different ways. Get him the ball. If anybody will use a player in a very unique fashion, it's Shane Beamer. I mean, th- think about that. Like, how Joyner is going to be used this yeah. year at running back. Jaheim Bell, again, no longer on the roster. He's a tight end, your second-leading rusher. Yeah, I'm also you pissed got off a skill set. He's going to play you. They didn't use Jaheim Bell more in some creative yeah. ways than what they did last year. Maybe if they had done that, he would still yeah. be on the roster. But I'm with you. I, I think in this day and age of college football, you got to find ways to put special players, special athletes in positions yeah. to make plays and get the ball in his hands through creative ways. I was also yeah. curious when Hester said they lose the, the talented tight end. I remember us all year last year just pleading to use him. How many yards do you think yeah. he had last year? Receiving? Yeah, it wasn't. A, it was low, three hundred, two thirty yeah. with two touchdowns. I mean, and he was a stud. Yeah. He was. Hey. Now, I mean, he also picked up almost another three hundred on the ground. But to your point, like I would like that guy to be like four hundred, four hundred. Yeah, but that ruins my career to use him like that. Yeah. You, so. you guys remember though? I, I called that opening game of the season last year against Georgia State in our production meeting with the coaches. They all raved about Jaheim Bell. What an X factor he was going to be. Yeah how he had picked up the offense and was more comfortable doing a lot of different things. And they just never utilized him in that way. And maybe, maybe there's a, a reason why uh, Satterfield's in Nebraska now and, and not in Como I mean, quick, anymore. Quick. I mean, like the last game and like he Christian bailed, he was yeah. out. Like he, he already had his stuff in Lincoln, <laughs> but yeah. But getting Dow Loggins from Arkansas, who again would have been their OC, no doubt in my mind, it's a big get for South Carolina. I'm I'm intrigued by it because I don't know either. Chiz doesn't know, and I don't know. And Chiz knows he had a defense that was, you know, like 125 overall total defense. They got to make yeah. improvements. And if I'm South Carolina, I got to take all the advantage I can out of that. Real quick, uh, Drake May Heisman finalist at the end of the year? No, no, doesn't doesn't win enough big games and playing enough big moments for me. Mm. Great player. Going to play for a long time. I love time, the kid. Make a I lot of money. 
Definitely going to be a, a top. They're going to be there in the top end. five pick in the NFL draft, but you don't think he'll be. You a, get a rid top of divisions three. in the ACC. That that makes your path to the ACC championship game again, which you went to last year and got beat pretty good by Clemson. Mm-hmm. That much more difficult, so I can't get you there. All right. Complete well, sidetrack. If there's an SEC representative, Jaden Daniels or the field. Oh, I mean, the field's so large in a conference I mean, like the mathematically SEC. Mathematically, field. I mean, but. yeah, the field's so large, and you know, if Carson Beck leads Georgia and he looks good, I mean, that's a it's kind of a hot pick recently. Uh, does, does anybody other than a quarterback from the SEC? Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers would be a good. Harold Perkins. Good yeah. 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 Give some love to the defensive guys. We're both offensive guys. I get it. Defensive guys are born turds. We all how know you, that. They stay turds as well. It? But how do you quantify that though? It has to he, be with that that young man won a game last year. Let's move this right into our LSU Florida State preview. That young man won a game on the road against Arkansas by himself. The offense did not show up that day. They had an awful day. He had, what was it, four sacks he had in that game? Two forced fumbles, got the mm-hmm. ball back. He took that game over and won an SEC game, in my opinion, by himself. Now, I think what he finished with, eight and a half sacks. He didn't play the entire year. He did as good of a job on Bryce Young as a spy as I've ever yep. seen on Bryce Young. That's a yep. clip that is clinic tape on how to be a spy against the elite talent. He could. Now, is it like 14 sacks? I don't know. That's God, that's a crazy number. But when you win games for your team and your team's playing in high leverage situations, I don't care if you play offense, defense, or teams, that means you should be in the conversation. And so as we parlay that into a discussion about LSU, Florida State, you know how many plays Harold Perkins Jr. played against Florida State last year? Five. Big Turf, you want to take a guess at it? Ten. He played 11 plays. You know how many of those 11 plays were on defense? None. Goose egg. Not a one. Not one play against Florida State. Played 11 all on special teams. So if we're talking about this matchup, and Mason Smith is going to be out, improper benefits. In the year of our Lord, 2023 in college football, improper benefits from a couple of years ago is something we're still – talking about that. by the way are we able to comment on the fact that uh the ncaa is like a bully they only pick fights that they know they can win you know picking a fight yeah. with mason they don't want they won't go to court with anybody anymore but they'll they'll you know have mason smith sent out because he signed autographs and got paid for yeah. it weeks before the the rule change like, well, i understand like let's have a little bit of 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 common sense though they are the governing body that doesn't govern and when they do they suck yeah, that's kind of the way that I, I put the NCAA. But he's look, he's not going to be in this game. You have to have players step up. You you and I talked about it though. Like you, you we talked off air. If there was ever a position that they could withstand losing an All American type player like Mason Smith, it's at the defensive line position. And and you know sometimes there are silver linings. The loss of Mason yeah. Smith forced guys to step up last year. Makai Wingo had a great season because of yeah. ended maybe, up being a third team All American. Yeah, so uh, there are they, they went out and got what two uh, transfer portal guys. You got to, Jordan Jefferson from West Virginia. You got yep. Jalen Lee from Florida, who's from the state of Louisiana. You got Jacoby and Guillory, who is coming back as a fifth year player, played a lot of football. Yeah, I think it, it's um, as much. What what sucks about it all is that 
we don't get the storyline. We don't get the fairy tale ending. The guy that got hurt last year yeah. in the opener against the very same team doesn't get to come back and be a game wrecker against the Seminoles. So we'll have to wait for his debut in 2023. But I, you mentioned it. Uh, we did some radio together this week, and you, you mentioned the tail of the tape going down and evaluating the matchups, the coaching matchups. I, I yeah. don't think it's close between Brian Kelly and, and, and Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell is a great coach and he's on his way to, to being more successful, but Brian Kelly has proven himself to be in the elite category. But as you look at, at the rest of the quarterbacks, you look at the, the skill players, defensive play, like there are a lot of, of mirror images of one another that make it yeah. very difficult to try to handicap. I think the most important player for LSU on defense is going to be not Harold Perkins because you have to allow Harold Perkins to do Harold Perkins things. And that's going to be Omar Spates and stay with me here. And I said this earlier with our guys, Dusty and Danny, and I, and I feel it to be true when you have a rare talent like Harold Perkins, right? You have to have that guy that can cover him up that can, whatever he does play off of. And then when he plays off of him, do it at a very high level. I'm not sure that LSU had that before they went into the transfer portal. And I always use the example, and you'll know what I'm talking about. When Troy Palomalo was doing what he was doing for the Steelers, he had the ultimate cover-up guy in Ryan Clark. Mm -hmm. RC was always playing off of him and always made up for him. Whatever crazy Troy was doing, because he would line up in the A-gap and drop and, and play cover too. Like He just yeah. did things nobody else did. You can't do that because some of it's not sound, but he was a rare talent. So mm -hmm. let him do it, just like Harold Perkins. You couldn't do it if you didn't have an RC back there covering everything up. Well, at that level, at the Mike Backer level, you have Omar Spates, SEC fans, first team all Pac-12 linebacker. If you want to know who he is, turn on the Oregon State-USC game. Now, it was on the Pac-12 network. You couldn't find it with a search warrant last year. It was very difficult to find. In fact, you could log into four cable providers, I've got a lot of services, a lot of streaming things. I never heard of the four cable providers you could use as a login. So I watched it on the All-22. I don't know how you're going to watch it, but if you can, go back and watch Omar Spates. He is the <laughs> second-best player on that field, and it's not that far of a drop-off between Caleb Williams and Omar Spates. So he is, to me, the most important person on this LSU defense in this Week 1 matchup because if you're going to spy with Harold Perkins, if you're going to rush – because you're still waiting for an edge rusher to emerge with Harold Perkins, Omar Spates has to cover him up. I love it. So let's talk about the game itself. I mean, the difference in my mind, and I, I said this to you before, is the fact that they're playing in week one. And I cannot erase the memory of sloppy play, turnovers yeah. in special teams, um, not playing assignments soundly. Um, I wish this was a game we were playing later in the year. And here I am being hypocritical because I complained about the week one matchups and we, this yep. is probably the one, the cream of the crop, but I, I wish these two teams would play later when we have a better idea of who they are and how they develop more. Maybe we get a chance to watch them again in the college football playoffs at the end of the season. But I think it comes down to which of those teams is able to minimize the first game mistake that we're always going to see. Uh, I've never been around a team that, that played, their cleanest best game in week one. And uh, mm -hmm. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen with these two teams. So whichever can minimize the, uh, that is going to be bid. And that, it, you know, going back to Mason Smith, like Jordan Travis is a, a rare talent at being able to make people miss when you think you got him dead to rights. He's mm -hmm. able to get out of tackles. They've got to be able to finish when they have Jordan Travis behind the yeah. line of scrimmage.
this was one of the ugliest games that was played a year ago between elite teams. And they end up being both, in my opinion, right there at elite. Maybe not elite, maybe great, right? They didn't finish it, so I won't give them that elite status, but it was really close. They both, you know, had an opportunity to play for something that meant something. It was ugly. It was sloppy. I mean, Florida State not putting LSU away. LSU muffing two punts, having two kicks blocked. I mean, they were fortunate to even be in the game with an opportunity to tie it up. Much cleaner game this time. It is going to be crisp. It's going to be fast. It's going to be high-flying, high-scoring, in my opinion. I think like 35-31, which when you have defenders like they have in this game, I think that 66 points, that's pretty high-scoring. I think it's going to be that kind of contest. Last year, 24-23, they go way above that, and it's going to come down to the most important position outside of fullback, of course, the quarterback position. Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis, right? You just talked about Jordan Travis. Make no mistake, SEC fans, he's a great quarterback. He took a, not even a stride, a leap and a half last year of who he was. We had never seen him be that consistent. Do you trust it? Do you you trust that improvement? And and I do because of all all the people around him that are the same. Yeah. I, I just think you can talk about that run they went on at the end of the season. Their three most difficult games were the three that they lost in the middle of the season. They they win five to end the year against you know teams that weren't better than 500. So I think there's some legitimate reason to question them. But I think there's legitimate reason to question LSU. I mean, last time we saw them on a regular uh, season game, they were getting pushed around, manhandled by a Texas A&M team that won five games yeah. last year. So as much as we're high on on LSU, I think there are legitimate questions about where they are that we're going to have to to see actually play out on the field before we're ready to crown them. To CD's point, LSU lose or sorry, FSU loses to Wake Forest at NC State and Clemson, and then they beat Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana Lafayette, and the Florida Gators before they beat Oklahoma 35-32 in a bowl game. And so yeah, some of those tough matchups they weren't able to be victorious in that one. But I do think second most returning production in the country. They know who they are. They know their identity. And their quarterback is somebody that is continuing to go in the right direction, but so is LSU's. And Jaden Daniels last year, in that three-week stretch, Ole Miss, Florida, and Alabama, he was as good as anyone in the country. I think he was. I mean, he was efficient. He was throwing the ball down the field, pushing the ball down the field, using – his legs when he had to, not just because, and he was special. He was electric. But you also had Arkansas and A&M after that. He didn't look like the same guy. But then you have Georgia. Before he gets hurt, he has moments mm-hmm. in that game, and he certainly has them against Purdue in a bowl game. If you get a version of Jaden Daniels that looked like that three-week stretch that we saw, he'll be in New York. He'll be representing LSU in the SEC at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. But you've got to get that out of him from the very get-go. And you have your coordinator coming back, which we've talked about already. That is a big added bonus benefit because you just don't have it in the conference. Hey, real quick before we move on from LSU, I know you're close to the program there. Heard news uh, this week that John Emery will not play. Um, Disappointing because I was was looking forward to the, the comeback story. His absence a big deal to the LSU offense or no? Man, John Emery's just somebody that I wish we we could just find a way to get him on the field for a full season. He just has not had that ability. And this is somebody that I know that the reasons that he's not on the field, he's got to take that blame. Completely agree with that. But he has tried to put his head down and go to work, and I'm just waiting for him to have that full season. We're not going to get it again. But LSU has eight scholarship running backs. 
you've got Josh Williams. You've got Diggs coming over from Notre Dame. You've got Noah Kane, who transferred in from Penn State a year ago. You have some young players, a Caleb Jackson, that can go out there and he can give you something. You're not going to count on a true freshman to give you everything, but he can give you something. So you have all of your leading rushers coming back from a year ago. You know the quarterback can run as well. You have Trey Holly, who signed with LSU this year, the all-time leading rusher in Louisiana high school history. Mm. Nice little stat there for him. So you have a couple of freshmen that maybe can help you out, but you still have Josh Williams. You have Logan Diggs, and you have Noah Kane. That's three savvy vets right there. So I think you'll be okay. You'd love to have John Emery. I'm not going to pump sunshine and say that you wouldn't, but you at least, going back to what we were talking about, there's some positions where LSU has that depth. Some they don't, but that is one of them at the running back position. Yes, how uh, real is the uh, Aaron Anderson hype? Oh, you have a returner that can catch a punt. That's that's an added benefit. <laughs> um, you have that's a that's a check mark in the right direction. Um, you have someone who can get you a longer return than twelve yards, which I think was the longest return for LSU last year because I believe they had one that got called back for a penalty against New Mexico. The return game was so bad last year, y'all. It it it's always been a weapon for LSU. Trendon Holiday, Pat Peterson, Tyron Matthew, I mean, Mo Claiborne, we can go name for name for name. And it was not only was it bad, it it, it cost you games. Mm-hmm. You couldn't catch a punt. Against Tennessee, you you fumble the opening kickoff. Those things can't happen. Not at a place like LSU. So you identified a problem, you make a change at coordinator, and you bring in an actual real returner. It, it's gotta like it's gotta make your team better just because of by default, even if he's not great, even if he falls forward for 15 yards, he's better than what you had a year ago, CD. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. And uh, you're right. It's, it's surprising to not see LSU have a difference maker, a, a playmaker, uh, um, you know, the, the emphasis on special teams and the return game specifically has been something that uh, has been a calling card for LSU. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to see, more of that this year and uh, excited about the LSU Tigers in general. All right. I know we've kind of already covered this game in the Florida Utah matchup. We kind of started the show with it, but quick thoughts here. If Cam Rising doesn't play, Florida has an opportunity. If he plays in this game, I have a hard time. Sorry, CD, getting the Gators to the victory finish line. Yeah. That is going to be, and I've heard it's a game time decision. You and I caught up with the Utah play by play voice earlier today. And it felt like even he didn't know where they were going to go. So if he doesn't play, that's a big advantage for the Gators. Yeah, I'll tell you this much, man. Um, the Vegas line earlier in the week was seven and a half. The Gators were getting a little over a touchdown. Today, somebody hit me that that had moved to Utah laying only four and a half. You can't tell me that there's not some information out there about Cam Rising's health yeah. that made that, that thing move the way that it did. Um, even if he does play, he hasn't been cleared. Like, how much has he been able to really practice? How mobile is he? He's a guy that you described as a quarterback playing like a foot, like a fullback, playing the position like a fullback. So, yeah, I, I just I, I worry about how effective he's going to be able to be. I worry how that's going to change their offensive game plan. And let's not forget Brett Brett Keithy, uh, the tight end that lit Florida up last year, nine catches, one hundred five yards, and a touchdown. Is also uh, suffered an injury last season. He hasn't been back at 100%. So his absence, or at least being potentially uh, not at full strength, hurts the game plan too. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I changed my mind. I was at practice on Sunday and really was impressed with what I saw from Florida. Oh, uh, you're yeah. going to see some Here big time playmakers. 
You're going to see a guy. Let me tell you about a couple freshmen real quick. Uh, Eugene Wilson goes by the name Trey. Uh, Eugene Wilson the third. They switched him from number 21 to number three. He was impressive. He's going to be a difference maker. Our guy Ricky Pearsall uh, yeah. is going to have a nice compliment uh, there uh, from him. Uh, but I, I think you're you're looking at a defense that's going to be a lot better. Austin Armstrong is a, a stud in the making. Florida did well in the transfer portal. They did well in the uh, in in their signing class last year. I think there's going to be a renewed spirit that is going to be a very different representation for Florida. I'm going with the Gators to win this one. Okay, man. straight up. Why. I'm taking the Gators to win outright. Okay, all surprising right. that the uh, the Florida <laughs> alum that grew up in Gainesville, son yeah. of two Florida graduates, is taking Florida. But oh, yeah. I try to be try to be, you know, unbiased. Yeah. But I I, yeah. I feel like Florida's going to pull one off here. Yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb. I don't think there's any question about it, and it could really. They got the win last year, and they didn't capitalize off that win. They've got to if they get it this year on the road. They've got to capitalize. They've got to take that momentum into the other game, like the Tennessee game. That's not that far after that. Only in a couple of weeks down the road. And so, if they get that one, if I'm a Gator fan, that's what I'm paying attention to. All right, before we take it to the bank to close out today's podcast, I want to tell you about our friends over at Richards Honda. And that's a new sponsor here on pre-gaming the SEC. Go to richardshonda.com. Now, look, you know me. You know my family. We've got a lot of us. There's Hester's every direction, no matter where you look. And you're wondering, do they have a vehicle big enough for your family? They do. It's the Odyssey minivan. So you can check that out again on their website, richardshonda.com. But, look, that's not the only thing that they have. If you're looking for that SUV, they've got the Pilot, the HRV, the Passport, the CRV as well. You know they got the sedans. You know they have the hybrids. They've got it all over at Richard's Honda. The fleet is ready to go. So go see them today. Again, richardshonda.com, Millerville Road there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Check them out, richardshonda.com. Home CD of the warm and fuzzy feeling. I'll explain what that means here down the road. But it is time now to take it to the bank. All right. So the lines this week, you've got some close ones in LSU and South Carolina. Then you've got these huge inflated lines like a Tennessee and a UVA, Texas A&M's got one, Kentucky's got one, Alabama's got one. So maybe not lines here in week number one, but here's what we do have. We have some win totals, all right? So we're going to throw to our guy, Big Terp, some of our favorites. He's going to throw them out there, CD. You tell us over or under. So that's going to be our take it to the bank here, week one, because these lines, look, they're huge. Bloated lines. They'll get smaller as the season goes along. And next week, we'll give you some of those lines. But let's hey, go win total. I will, I will go on the record, though. Take Florida getting the points, though. Put that out there. Uh, that That's going to be one of my take-it-to-the-bank picks here, too. I will. Huh. It's not an inflated line. In fact, it's shrinking a little bit. So maybe maybe you should get it while you can. Yeah, there there might be you know a former running back that played Florida a bunch of times that still likes Utah, and you can get it at four and a half as well. I'm not going to say who that is, no names here, but go with CD or you can go with that other person that I was talking about. All right, Big Turp, let's throw some win totals out there. CD, you and I can quickly kind of go over, under, where we like these teams yeah. because we got to get these in right now because we got games tomorrow. We got Florida you know, as we've mentioned a couple of times, obviously taking on Utah. So we got to get these out there. Win totals, go ahead and place those bets. Big Terp, what we got? Before I throw out ones that have not kicked off the season yet, you cannot find this anywhere because the season has kicked off, but I'm just curious. Vanderbilt has won their first game. They came in at over three and a half. 
we had been texting even before week zero that you guys had liked that three and a half number. I'm assuming nothing's changed, but I'm also assuming when you like three and a half, you also assume they'd beat Hawaii. Right? <laughs> they like did. That, hey, exactly, hey. No, exactly. Hey, that, so nothing should have beat. changed. Look, I just need wins. I don't need style points, okay? Clark Lee, another, guess what? Former fullback, okay? And I shouldn't say former. Once a fullback, always a fullback. Too gritty to be pretty is Clark Lee. By the way, smartest fullback I think I've ever met as well. They're going to get to the four, all right? They're going to get to it in their first four games. Now, what happens after that? Forget the I four. Have no idea. I think this team gets bowl eligible, and that would be a a big statement for a Vandy program that just a couple of years ago yeah. seemed like they were in complete disarray. You've talked a lot about alignment. That athletic department, that school in general, feels like they're in alignment now. You have an athletic director in Canada, Story Lee, that played at Vanderbilt. Uh, head coach on the football team that played at Vanderbilt. You have a chancellor that seems to care a lot more about athletics now and understands that there is the ability to have athletics and academics go hand in hand and how athletics can help benefit your school and the, the way it's viewed. So I'm excited about the future there. I think they, they're going to sneak up and at least win two games in the SEC. Again, it shouldn't yeah. be sneaking after they That's were right. able to knock off Florida and Kentucky last year in the last month of the season. But I think there is a team that um, they're, they're going to surprise some people this year. Yeah, I think you and I are both high on Vanderbilt, certainly over that three-and-a-half number. All right, Big Turb, what's the next one? All right, this is year three here. If you've listened to year one and two, or even just year two, you know that we are Kentucky people on this podcast. <laughs> That's fair. That's incredibly Kentucky, fair. Six-and-a-half. Are we sticking by our Kentucky guns this year? Are we liking that over, or are you going under? I'm licking my wounds last year because yeah. I've told everybody to load up. It was going to be an 11-win season. They're going to go to the SEC championship game. They're going to beat Georgia, none of which happened. But you know what? I am undeterred, Hess. I am That's a right. guy that believes in Mark Stoops. I believe in Liam Cohen. I believe in Devin Leary. I believe in the defense. And you know what? I believe in them revamping the big blue wall. There, There's yeah. a wall that didn't get built. You know what's going to be built? The big blue wall. It's going to be rebuilt. And I'm taking the Kentucky Wildcats to go over that posted to win total. Oh, I'm going so over. I mean, I am a rocket going into the sky. I might as well be <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Fly me to the moon. That's how high I'm going with Kentucky. Okay. They're going to get close to double digit. I think they get close to 10 wins. I believe mm. that much in Kentucky. Now the East is better. The East right there in the middle tier is so stout. They're going to have to come up with some big victories. No room for error. No Vanderbilt losses, right? They got to beat Mizzou. They got to beat your Florida Gators. They can't have a loss in that bunch. But I'm high, man. I love Devin Leary, and the rest of the SEC is about to see exactly what you and I saw at NC State, which is a damn good quarterback. And Ray Davis, who played in the league last year, and people don't realize how good he was. Look how Vanderbilt couldn't run the football against Hawaii last week. Ray Davis is a big reason why 1,000 yards last year at Bandy, now in Kentucky's backfield, to the moon. Just about an hour ago, Hester dropped a philosophical Tennessee will be a better team with a worse mm -hmm. record this year. So does that mean <laughs> you're going under yeah, nine and a half? Big thinker. Big thinker. Look, I mean, that blew my brain. Yeah, you um, wear seven and three fourths hat. All right, you got some big thoughts in that big brain, okay? Are you so nine and a half? What are you thinking? Oh, CD. I love my guy, Thrill Martin, the SID there at Tennessee. I love yeah. Josh Heupel, the head coach there. I got friends on that staff. And so whisper this, don't tell them under, under nine and a half. I just, I, oh, I can't get them to 10. I can't get, I can get UVA, Austin P, 
Florida, UTSA. Okay, I, that's that's four right there. UConn. Okay, that's five right there. Let, I'll give you South Carolina at home. That's six. A and M at home. If I give you that one, that one's seven. But then we're at Alabama, at Kentucky, at Missouri, Georgia. I don't. I, there's not a guarantee there. I can give you Vanderbilt. You got to get two more. I don't know that I can get you two more. And again, better team, not as many wins. I think they're a better team maybe as a whole. I don't think they're a better offense. And um, I love Joe Milton. I love the story. I love the fact that he stayed around. I love the patience. I'm going to have to see it first. That's a lot of wins. To to, to say that you're going to lose an all-timer like Kevin yeah. Hooker and you're not going to miss a beat at all, that's just uh, too arrogant for me. I'm yeah. going under as well. It's where you have the road games in two very difficult places to play in back-to-back weeks, Alabama and Kentucky. It's the cross opponents always in the SEC until next year when you get rid of divisions. You got AM and Alabama. That's just, that's not easy, right? And we always look at that. And then you get at Missouri late in the year. It's tougher to play in Como late in the year than it is early. And then you get Georgia at the end of the year. You're going to be beat up. Yeah. That's a physical football game. And yeah. so I can get you close. I can't get you over the hump. And so again, whisper under Tennessee. Nine and a half. Big Turb, I feel pretty good about that. Go ahead and take that to the bank, whatever bank that you bank with. And hopefully we'll have more information on that a little bit later on <laughs> throughout the podcast. Fired up about that. We're also fired up to have new teammates here on pre-gaming the SEC. Shout out to Blue Delta Jeans. Shout out to Richard Honda. RichardHonda.com, that website. BlueDeltaJeans.com is that site. Again, all right, let's see if I can remember my saying for Blue Delta Jeans. Nothing feels as good as custom fits. I'm just saying. I'm just saying print it on a T-shirt. CD, Big Turt Man, y'all know I look forward to this every single year. Hold on, I got – there's one more. Don't We're not getting out of here without it. Which one? Big oh, Turt, you don't remember? Is it Florida? Because no. if it's Florida, we know you're going to go over. It's not Florida. It's Alabama. I'm taking oh. Alabama under the posted total. What's that number? Ten and a half, Ten and I think. Half. Ten and a half. Ten and a half. Not only do I think, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna juice it. I'm gonna go under ten because I'm gonna go under nine and a half. I don't think they get to double digits this year. As much as Herb Street and Desmond and everybody else likes Pat, they, they love Alabama. I don't see it. We talked earlier about the quarterback situation. I don't believe in the development of the offensive line. I don't believe in the development of the receivers. You lose Will Anderson. There are far too many questions for me to be able to say that they're going to win 10 games this year. Give me under or they shoot. They'd have to win 11 to to, to cash that ticket. That is also easy money. Are you buying that too with me, bro? I'm not buying the juice at the 10 or the nine and a half. I am buying the under 10 and a half there. So how about that? Right. Not going to find many SEC podcasts that do that and say it with such, uh, such certainty as we just did here on pre-gaming the SEC. But again, man, this is always something that I look forward to. Y'all know this. This is a passion project for all three of us. We do this because we enjoy time together. We enjoy talking SEC, SEC football, tailgating. We're going to have some of the biggest guests that you know that have a SEC fandom on this podcast. We always do. We look forward to that as well. This is just the beginning of pre-gaming the SEC Season 3. Enjoy week number one.